9. We'll start in verse 1. We will not get through the whole chapter. We'll get a little over half of it tonight, Lord willing. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We'll start in verse 1. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that we would get some good from what we read tonight, what we see of your word, dear Lord. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach, God, that your Holy Spirit would would speak through me tonight, that each one of us would be free of our distractions and our worries or our bad attitudes or even the good things, dear Lord, that it may have been that brought we brought in here with us. Dear Lord, whatever it may be, good or bad, let it not detract from your word tonight, that we may grow in you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1. Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Now, Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, it's just been kind of kind of depressing in some sense. I think some people probably skip the book of Ecclesiastes for that reason and may say, what, what place does this even have in Scripture? Because it's so depressing and so down. Oh, you're going to die. Everybody's going to forget you. You're going to work hard. It's not going to matter. You're going to be good. Bad things are going to happen to you. You're going to be bad. Good things are going to happen to you. And life is just unfair. And we've seen that time and time again throughout the book, but there's this constant reminder that that even in the midst of life, as unfair as it is, as tough as our struggle is, that we continue to seek God and fear Him and keep His commands, and that we continue to find some enjoyment in life, that even in the midst of the rat race and the hard times, that God has blessed us with many good things, and we need to try to enjoy the things God has given us and so with that in mind, with all that negative that, that he's seen and, and even some of the good that he's seen, he explains it this way. Uh, the righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hands. Now that's, that's reassuring. For those of us who, who seek to be righteous through Jesus Christ and to live a righteous life and who seek to do uh, the works of God and the commands of God and who seek to be wise... Well, we're in a good place. Where does it say we are? In God's hands. Now, that's a pretty good place to be, in the hand of God. So, no matter what happens, good or bad, no matter what the future may hold, we have nothing to fear because God is the one who holds the future and the one who, in fact, holds us in his hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Now, maybe in kind of reading through this quick, it may may appear as though we're in God's hands and we don't know if he's going to love us or hate us. I think it's two separate thoughts here. I don't think that that's what it's saying at all. I think it's saying, look, for those who seek God and, and, and seek God's wisdom, you're in God's hands. You don't have to worry about anything because we don't know what the future is going to hold. We've seen that in the last few chapters. We've seen that idea repeated several times. Nobody knows what the future is going to hold, and we don't know whether to expect love or hate. We may go out into the world tomorrow, and the people we encounter may love us and may treat us right, or the people we encounter may hate us and may treat us wrong. But no matter what the future holds, we don't know to expect what to expect. We don't know what lies ahead of us, but we know that we are in the hand of God if we are those who seek to live a righteous life and live a wise life and to follow God's commands. Verse 2, 
Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad. Now, some of your translations there may not have and the bad. Some of our original manus- oldest manuscripts that we have, some of them have bad and some of them don't have bad. So if you notice that difference in your translation, it's not a big big difference, but you may notice that. Uh, everything is the same, same fate for the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice, as it is for the good, so it is for the sinner. As for the one who takes an oath, so for the one who fears an oath. This is the same idea that we have seen throughout the book. We all suffer the same fate. We all live this life. We have the good days and the bad days. But at the end of it all, we're all going to die. That's the one common that we all have, have in common, the good and the bad. All of these, these contrasts that he makes here, there's one common thing, and that is one day we're all going to leave this old world unless Jesus returns and carries us home. But the likelihood of, of, of dying before Jesus returns is pretty high, considering that Everybody that's lived up to this point has died and Jesus has not come. It's a good likelihood that we might die before Jesus would come. And so the same fate is going to occur for those who are good and those who are bad. Verse 3, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. Now, that's the idea that we just talked about. There's one fate. What's the problem with people? Well, people's hearts are evil. We saw that in the story of Noah, that all the time, that that's all the people's heart focused on was evil all the time. Now, there was righteous Noah and his family, but there wasn't anybody else. Now, I don't know how many people were on the planet at that time, probably a lot by by that point even. But the point being, there weren't many good. Now, you may look in the world today and say, well, there aren't many good people in the world today, but, but I'm not so sure about that. I think there probably are a lot of good people in the world today. Now, there's no question there's a lot of evil people in the world, but there are a lot of God-fearing people, a lot of people who seek to do good and who seek to do right and who seek to serve God. And so we need to, we need to be reminded of that. We turn on the news and things are so bad, we think, man, this world is bad, and it is in some ways, but, but there's still a lot of good out there as well. But at the end of it all, we're all going to go to the place of the dead, it says here. Uh, Verse 4. But there is a hope for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. There is no longer a reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Okay, so this is bad news that... One day we're all going to die. But those who are dead, well, it's of no use for them to read this book. They can't read this book. They're dead. If they could read this book, it would be of no use to them. They are dead. But there is hope for those who are living. And that's good news for you and I because we are those who are living. So we can see the Word of God. We can see the wisdom of God. We can see the writings of Ecclesiastes. And we can examine our own life and say, okay, Is there something I can learn from this that's going to help me to enjoy life better? It's going to help me to draw closer to God. So there's benefit for those who are living. And what's the benefit? What's the hope? The hope is that we would come to know God through His Word. It uses the example here uh, 
since a live dog is better than a dead lion. So a dog would not be considered a, a, a very highly animal, at least in, in, in the time that this was written. I mean, you look at powerful animals, a lion is the most powerful animal, right? So if there was going to be a fight between a dog and a lion, of course the lion is stronger. The lion would win that fight. But how strong is a dead lion? Well, a dead lion is not strong at all. So even a weak dog that's alive is better than a dead lion. And so even those of us who may be weak, who may be sinful, if we are still alive and can hear the word of God, it is to our benefit, he says here. For the living know that they will die. Okay, so if we know that we're going to die, and one day we're going to have to stand before God, if we are living, then we can do something about that now. We can make a choice to follow God. And he says of the dead, there is no reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Verse 6, their love, their hate, and their envy have already disappeared, and there is no longer a portion for them in all that is done under the sun. Again, just reinforcing the point. Of all that have died, whether they were good or whether they were bad, regardless of who they were, they are gone. Their, their time on earth is done, and they have left this old world, and there is nothing for them under the sun. But for you and I, we are still under the sun. We are still a part of this world. And so he says in verse 7, Go, eat your bread with pleasure, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. For God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and never let oil be lacking on your head. Now this is the same idea that we've seen through the book. That in the midst of all the things that seem kind of negative... That for what God has given us, no matter how much or little that may be, that we need to try to find some enjoyment in what we have and find some contentment in our life. That's, a, that's kind of a key thing that I think we've seen, even though he hasn't used that word in the book of Ecclesiastes. I think that's kind of part of the idea that he's getting across. And we also see, see that same idea uh, in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy, I don't remember the chapter, but... Uh, but uh, Godliness with contentment is of great gain, it says in the book of Timothy. And that's a good thing for us to remember, that whatever we have, that we need to be content with that. And there is great gain in that if we're seek, seeking to live a godly life and we're content with what God has given us. And so he says here, enjoy these things that God has given you. God has already accepted your works. I'm not sure exactly what it what, it, what that particular part of the verse means, but maybe it's saying that, hey, there's good. If, if you're seeking enjoyment in the things of life and you found that contentment, then those things are acceptable before God. You're in a good place. He says in verse uh, 8, let your clothes be white all the time and never let oil be lacking from your head. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this is to be taken. When I first look at this, I think, well, maybe this is just talking about living a pure life. We see the idea of being <clears throat> clean and white as being washed from sins or being pure. We see that idea in the, in the New Testament. Uh, so perhaps here when it's saying let your clothes be white all the time, maybe it's saying live a pure life and never let oil be lacking on your head. Uh, the idea maybe of being anointed with oil, as David says in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over is a sign perhaps of God's blessing. Uh, some commentaries have suggested that this was just uh, this was just uh, good practice to keep you cool, 
that, okay, enjoy the simple things in life. Enjoy the food. Enjoy white clothing. It's hot out there. If you wear white clothes and you anoint yourself with oil, it'll help keep you cool so you can find some enjoyment in food. You can find comfort in the way that you dress and the way that you live. Now, I'm not sure if either of those is the correct interpretation of that passage. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's both. Uh, but those are a couple of ideas as to perhaps what he's talking about there in verse 8. In verse 9, Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun all your fleeting days, for that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. Now this is a new wrinkle that we have not seen up to this point. We've seen this idea of, of enjoy the food and the drink that you have and, and find some contentment in those things. We've seen that idea, but here he goes one step further. And what does he say? Enjoy life with the wife you love. This is, this is one of your rewards, he says. This is one way that God blesses us men. And I believe the, the reverse would be, opposite would be true too, that for women that they would enjoy the husband that God has given to them. And what does he say? He says, for that is your portion in life, or that is your reward, or that's something that God gives you. That's a good thing to have a companion, to have a husband, or to have a wife in this life. So the things that God has given you, then enjoy those things. And when we find enjoyment in the things that we have, we won't get ourselves into trouble trying to get things that we don't have. And that's a part of the problem with a lot of people in this world. They're not content, and maybe us too, with the things that we have. We always want more, 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 more. And if you want more, 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 and you can't obtain it uh, in a right way, then oftentimes people become greedy. And it's easier for them to take those bribes like we talked about last week in chapter 8. And so if there was contentment, then that would do away with a lot of stealing and a lot of bribery. If there was contentment with a, with a wife to her husband or a husband to her wife, you wouldn't see so many marriages where one spouse is cheating on another one. No, we need to be content with the husband or with the wife that we have had. This is God's blessing to us. And so we need to find contentment in these things, from the food we eat to the spouse that God has given us. This is our portion under the sun. This is what God has given us to help us through this tough walk in this life. Verse 10, Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength, because there is no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. Now, this is good This is good practical advice to us. Life is short. There are things before you. There are jobs that you do. Maybe it's a, a clock you punch at work. Maybe it's work you do around the church. Whatever it may be, when we work, we need to work, and we need to work hard, and we need to do good when it is time to work. What does he say here? That we do it with all our strength. There is no work, there's no planning, no knowledge, or no wisdom in Sheol or in the grave. Now, Sheol is a Hebrew word that simply means grave. Some of your translations will say grave there, but the actual Hebrew word is Sheol. Sometimes Sheol is translated as hell. I don't know that that's the best translation, and so sometimes when people see Sheol, they get... They get maybe the wrong idea. They, they perhaps in verses like these say, look, there's none of these things in Sheol where you're going, implying that who, the author here is saying, you're going to hell, so you might as well enjoy this life. Well, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you're going to the grave. That's in the context of the whole passage. He's been talking about that will be the end for all people, the wicked and the good. They will all suffer the same fate. What is that fate? That one day we will all die. 
And since we are all going to die one day, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to live your life living for the world and doing what is evil and being discontent and, and, and unhappy all of the time? Or do you want to say, life is short, God is good, I'm in God's hands, whether good happens to me or bad happens to me, whatever God has given me today, I will rejoice. If God has given me water and bread, then I will rejoice in water and bread. If God has given me filet mignon and a glass of sweet tea, then I will rejoice in that. Whatever God has given us, we need to find some contentment and some enjoyment in that. And not just work, 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 because that's not good, and not just be lazy and play all the time. There has to be a happy medium. When we work, we work hard, it says. But when we sit down for the things that God has given us to enjoy, we find enjoyment in that. And so if we're all going to die one day, we better make sure that we're living right while we're living. And that's, that's good news for us. As Ecclesiastes says here, that is hope for us. When we are living, we have hope in God. We have hope that we can put ourselves in the hand of God. Now, how, how do we find ourselves in the hand of God? We find ourselves in the hand of God through Jesus Christ. That puts us in the hand of God. That forgives our sin and puts us in good relation with God. It makes us righteous before God, not by our acts, but by the acts of Jesus Christ and by the fact that we have put our faith in Him. And when we've done so, we can, we can find great Great comfort in the fact that knowing that we are in the hands of God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to be those who recognize just how, how short life is. God, life is too short for us to complain and grumble and just just not, not enjoy life to some extent, dear Lord. Not to, not to be grateful for what you have given us. So God, I pray that you would help us to do just that. And uh, God, I pray that you would help us to remember that we are yours when we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we need to seek to live for you and to find comfort in the fact that we are yours, dear Lord. I pray that you would just help us to be those who are content, be those who fear you and keep your commands, and God, be those who, no matter what life throws our way, not to be shaken, but to continue to trust, trust you in all that we do. And God, Whatever we do in this world, let us do it as good as we can while we're here. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.